And what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the program. It is episode 298 of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the program on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, and you can follow um, our social pages on Facebook and uh, Twitter slash X for the latest updates. Uh, Great to be back with you folks this week. Uh, A little snow today, so hopefully uh, everyone's being safe out there uh, traveling. Um, But excited to be back with you folks this week. Good amount of stuff to get to. There's quite a bit of uh, Patriot stuff, you know, with the big news last week. So uh, we'll be sure to get into it, get into my full thoughts about the whole thing. Um, but first off, I want to say thanks to uh, Brendan Knapp and Jacob Greenberg uh, for coming on the podcast last week, coming on Guest Friday, uh, doing a little preview for the NFL playoffs. So great episode. If you have not listened to that, you can already, uh, as you may have noticed from some of the uh, posts uh, this morning about the what we got going on this week. I won't be doing Guest Friday this week. We'll be doing a uh, special appreciation of the uh, Bill Belichick era uh, in, in Foxborough. So uh, looking forward to that. Be chock full of, you know, memories from watching games and, you know, kind of just talking about the overall appreciation of, uh, you know, all the great things that we got to witness with uh, Bill Belichick coaching the Patriots. So uh, that will be posted on Friday later this week. So looking forward to that. Um, so I think, you know, we're just going to start with the elephant in the room with the news last week that uh, Patriots decided to move on from uh, Bill Belichick and will be coaching next season. You know, officially it is, I think the wording was mutual or the word was mutual. Me personally, I don't believe that, you know, and I think that there are quite a few people that don't believe that either. Um, I do think that He was fired. You know, they haven't used that term exactly, but, you know, you kind of have to think that that's what happened. The Patriots, you know, no longer wanted him to coach the team. And, you know, that's where we are. And the Patriots, you know, swiftly installed Gerard Mayo as the head coach. We'll talk about that um, shortly. But I think just the decision in and of itself, I think that me personally, I'm surprised. You know, I talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks that, I felt like it would be a mistake to, you know, let Bill Belichick go or fire him or whatever phrasing you want to use. I felt like that was a mistake. Um, and I think, I still think it's a mistake. And I still think that, you know, I would have rather him continue to try to rebuild this team because, you know, he's done this a couple of times. Um, and I was kind of willing to see what he would be able to do with a third overall pick, you know, close to 70 million in cap space, you know, and I think plenty of different players that they could target to, you know, get the team back to where they could be, you know, and I think, as I said, plenty of times over the last couple of weeks, I think that the road back to relevancy, the road back to, you know, being a competitive football team, you have a better chance at that with Bill Belichick. And I understand the complaints about the roster construction and things like that, but he's still a good coach. And I think with an off season that you can transform this roster, I think that they could have gotten back to being respectable, you know, and I think that they still could, 
you know, with some of the guys that they have, but they really have to nail this offseason. Um, and so I think it just, I think it's a mistake, and I think that the organization is going to come and re- come to regret it um, because I think that there's a good chance that Belichick ends up in a place where maybe he can continue to, you know, win. And I think, you know, could it be Atlanta? I don't really think Atlanta's a great team, but I think, you know, him going to that situation with the, you know, group of some interesting players that they have, you know, could they be a team that gets a huge boost, you know, and wins 11 or 12 games next year? You know, I think that that's possible. I just think that, you know, my worst fear, and I, you know, probably said this, that, you know, how is that going to look him going to another team and, you know, performing well? You know, how is that going to reflect on this ownership who is now, you know, I think a big part of why Tom Brady left. And I think it's a reason, it's the biggest reason why Belichick's not here. And I think, you know, it's just, I don't think the optics look great for this ownership group um, after this. And I think getting into the more details of the Mayo stuff, I think it makes them look even worse. So I think, you know, on the other hand, you know, this decision moving on from Bill Belichick after 24 years, you know, yes, there is something to be said for, okay, at some point you need to move on. And I think I understand that, but I just don't think that this was the right timing to do that. You know, I think that, you know, you let him manage through this off season, see what he can do. If it doesn't work out and you're back to winning four, five, six games next year, then I think it's okay to let him go. I just wasn't okay to just be like, you know what, that's it. You know, you're not going to give him an opportunity. And I think, you know, I just not really sure, you know, I just, I just don't agree with the decision. I don't think that it's a decision that's going to, you know, be a, like a decision that you're going to look at five years down the road and be like, this was a great decision. You know, maybe it will be, who knows? Um, but I think I'm still very uncomfortable with the decision. And I think, you know, it was nice to see Bill Belichick, you know, at that, you know, whatever that press conference, whatever you want to call it, um, and being very appreciative of the time here, you know, and the fans and the players that he coached. And I think that was nice, but I don't know. I think this idea that it's, that it's kind of a mutual thing is, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I think that it's, the ownership's decision to fire him. Um, so, you know, I think getting more into Gerard Mayo and getting into kind of what's next for this team, you know, I think it's a decent hire because I think Gerard is a coach that the players respect. The players in the locker room, I think, really, you know, go to war for him and think that he's a great leader. And that part of that part of it makes me feel comfortable about him being the head coach and him being a good leader, him being someone that has a great a great amount of respect from the players in that locker room, you know, especially the defensive players. 
the part that makes me uncomfortable is the fact that this seems like a decision that the Crafts made, you know, last off season as a way to, okay, whenever Bill is done coaching, we can install a head coach who will listen to, or not, I don't want to say will listen to us, but I think it's someone that they feel that they can easily control. And I feel like Belichick, it's part of the reason why he's not here is because I think the ownership probably got annoyed with the fact that he didn't really want them to meddle into a lot of personnel moves. And I think that there's evidence that that kind of had already been happening over the last couple of years. And it just, it makes me uncomfortable that it seems like with this team seemingly moving forward without hiring a general manager, it seems to me that it kind of looks like ownership is going to have more of a say in how the team is run in terms of, you know, how money is spent, the types of players that they target and things like that. And I don't think that that will end well. Um, I am personally of the opinion that, you know, ownership and, you know, running of the franchise, like, or like they should be two separate things, you know, ownership and team general manager. Sure. I think at certain points can work hand in hand. That's fair, but I think it should be two separate things and it doesn't really seem like that's the case. Um, And I think that bothers me and I think it should bother people that, you know, I think that that's why this hiring took place so quickly. You know, I think that they had the language in whatever Gerard Mayo signed last year that, you know, he was going to be the successor. And I think it's great for Gerard. I think it's great for the Patriots to hire a black head coach because he will be, what, the fifth or sixth in the league. And I think that that's important for, you know, representation. But it just, something about it doesn't feel right because it seems like the Crafts are installing a head coach that basically they're going to tell what to do. And I think that that's kind of disappointing and kind of depressing. Um, Now, does this mean that the team is going to be, you know, inherently bad for the next few years? Maybe not. You know, who knows? Maybe the Patriots do draft, you know, a Drake May or some quarterback third overall, and they end up having a C.J. Stroud-like season, and they get the Patriots back to the playoffs. You know, the Patriots make a lot of great, you know, free agent moves and things like that that work out. And this team gets back to the playoffs. Um, but I think I think that that's kind of a slim possibility, in my opinion. Um, I think that if, you know, ownership, and this is going to be a collaborative process more in terms of the players that they bring in, I don't know if this is going to go as well. And I think, in a way, I think that, yes, the Patriots... You know, ownership has set up this situation that they're hiring a coach that they feel that will be more likely to listen to them. But I also think, like, the ownership's reasoning for firing Bill Belichick and bringing in a new coach is, you know, we hate all this losing. We need to bring in a coach that's going to help us win. But it's like, I'm sorry, like, the team is the same. You know, it's not just going to, 
be different because you replaced the head coach. Like, I just think that, you know, their expectation for this team for next year is that they're going to go back to the playoffs. I don't think that's a good expectation to have because I think you look at a lot of the things that I think have to go right for them to get back to the playoffs. It's like, I don't think you can, I don't think it's right to have that expectation. Um, And I think that, you know, ownership has this idea that they need to get back to the playoffs, need to get back to winning Super Bowls. I don't think this team is necessarily close to either of those things at the current moment. You know, maybe things change miraculously, but it's just like it's dangerous for this ownership to have this belief that, okay, we need to get back to going to the playoffs and winning Super Bowls. And I think, unfortunately, with that thought process, if Gerard Mayo doesn't make the playoffs in his first two years, he's going to get fired. You know, there's really no other way around that because they think, I don't know, ownership has this idea, oh, we're sick and tired of the losing. And it's like, seriously, like, I don't really care for the woe is me type of thing where, oh, we've not been in the playoffs. Well, it's like, I'm sorry, you were, you were like a, like, legit contender in your conference for like 20 years. You're really going to sit there and say, oh, I can't handle four to five years of being, you know, what they call non-competitive, which I think until this year, that's not true. The team has been relatively competitive since Brady left. I mean, I think this year, absolutely, the wheels fell off, but it's like, since Brady left, you won seven games. You know, you won 10 games, then you won eight games. Going into the last week of the season, with a chance to go to the playoffs if you win that game, you know? So I think, I don't know. I think part of this is messy and I think could get very messy if, you know, the personnel decisions and coaching decisions and all the things that go into, you know, building this team for next year, if some of those things do not go well and this team is back to, you know, if a year from now this team is back and with a top five pick, having five wins the year before, like, I just, there's going to be a hell of a lot of pressure on Gerard Mayo. And I don't think that that's going to be necessarily fair. You know, I, you know, like Gerard as a, you know, promising up and coming coach, but he needs to be given a chance if, you know, he's really going to stick around here. And I unfortunately don't think that that's going to be the case because I think the Crafts have this flawed reasoning that we need to get back to the playoffs. And if we don't, like, it's just like, it's going to be, I have a fear that it's going to turn into a coaching carousel type thing where they're just going to cycle through coaches every two to three years. And it's just, you know, it's just, I don't know. There are a lot of, a lot of fears that I have now that Bill Belichick's not here, and I think, you know, yeah, it's something that is is tough because, like I said, I think Gerard deserves the opportunity. I think that he's, you know, a good, promising, up-and-coming coach, a guy that a lot of guys in that locker room respect. But at the same time, the way that he's been installed as the head coach, I have some concerns about that, and I think... I think that some people, I think, rightly could be 
concerned about the fact that they didn't even do, you know, a coaching search that, you know, they had it decided that Mayo was going to be the guy. And it's like, it, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's, it's strange. Uh, but I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting off season. It's going to be interesting. You know, the coaches that stick around, you know, which coaches leave with Bill Belichick, assuming that he takes over um, with another team, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and I think obviously, as we get closer to free agency, how does the team approach free agency? You know, do we see this team, you know, go crazy in free agency like they did three years ago and sign a million different guys? You know, it'll be interesting to see, but I think definitely we'll keep you updated with, you know, any coaching hires, things like that. You know, the Patriots, I think, do have obviously a lot of critical decisions to make, but I think the coaching staff is kind of the the next biggest thing, you know, as Gerard starts to, you know, fill out his coaching staff um, offensively, defensively. I mean, I think the rumors about Josh McDaniels, does he come back to run the offense? You know, what happens with Bill O'Brien? You know, and then I think defensively, you know, does Steve Belichick return? You know, I think that that's a legitimate question. I think that both he and Brian Belichick have been offered jobs to, or been offered jobs as a chance to return. But, you know, maybe if Bill gets hired elsewhere, do they go with him? And that's a whole other thing that the Patriots, you know, are going to have to deal with. But I think the coaching change from Bel- from Belichick to Mayo may be a big significant change and it may be a downgrade. Um, But I do think that, you know, it could be a good thing that the continuity stays relatively the same defensively. And if the Patriots just can upgrade at some key positions offensively, they could could get back to being a good competitive football team. You know, and I think it starts with getting the quarterback pick right. You know, no matter if it's a draft pick or if it's a free agent, whatever it is, you know, getting a left tackle, uh, someone to protect the blind side, and then kind of see what you're going to do with your receiver room. So I think those are kind of the three key positions, obviously offensively, that we'll be taking a look at uh, this offseason. So I think we're going to move on. You know, it's really all my thoughts for the coaching change. And, you know, I think... I have concerns about it, um, but, you know, who knows? It could end up being something that works. And I think if it works, if they get the correct, make the correct moves, and this team is in the playoffs next year, then probably a lot of these concerns, you know, will probably will matter. But, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see. But I think, uh, obviously, later this week, We'll talk more about, you know, Bill Belichick and his and his legacy and, you know, all the memories from the Belichick era. You know, I think it, it would be way too long for me just to talk about stuff like that in this episode. So that's kind of why I wanted to do a bonus episode, just strictly talking about, you know, memories and things like that. Because, hey, we were very lucky to have you know, the, the teams be as good as they were and win so many Super Bowls. So uh, looking forward to talking more about that later this week. Um, so I think, obviously, we'll keep you updated with any more Patriot news. 
but with that being said, we're going to move on talk about the Bruins. And the Bruins were very busy last week, West Coast road trip and all. And, you know, I think for the most part, I think making out okay. You know, I think when we last spoke, Bruins came off a 4-3 shootout loss in Colorado. Bruins had a couple of overtime losses after that in Arizona, in Vegas, and then the Bruins finished the trip with an overtime win over St. Louis and then the shutout of the Devils yesterday. So the injury bug has hit the Bruins. That's definitely for sure. Uh, Linus Olmark has been put on the shelf. Uh, No word about his availability at some point or whenever. No word on his potential next availability. Uh, Brandon Bussey has been called up from Providence, uh, has not appeared in any games recently, uh, but you may see him at some point later this week. Bruins are off until Thursday, so could be a possibility that you see him at some point, you know, with Olmark being out. Uh, Brandon Carlo is also out, I think, out at least until Thursday's game in Colorado, or against Colorado, I should say. Uh, Matt Patra also left the Arizona game with an injury. Haven't seen him in the last three games. Um, And then Derek Forbert, obviously still out. He was eligible to return on New Year's Eve. Obviously didn't come back. That was a while ago. That was, um, at this point, eight games ago. So no word, really, on any of the guys that are hurt. But, you know, obviously it's starting to be that time of year where there's a war of attrition Guys are going down, and you kind of got to scramble. So I think uh, one of the beneficiaries of this uh, defensively has been Parker Watherspoon, uh, one of the Bruins' like depth signings um, in the offseason. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't really sure what to expect from him. You know, kind of was expecting him to just be a extra body in training camp and, you know, someone that probably would be in Providence most of the year, but... He's really stepped up over the last couple of games, and it's not perfect. You know, I think it's not perfect, the spot that he's been put in, I think, being put in basically deployed as a top-four defenseman playing with Lindholm, but um, he's impressed me the last couple of games. You know, I think jumping up into the play offensively, being in the right place defensively, you know, obviously is someone that's going to have his lumps um, because I think prior to this season really had not played a lot of hockey in the NHL, so I think hard to expect, you know, big things, but he's played 16 games, he's been a plus three, and I think um, has been not someone that's, like, super impressive, but a guy coming into this season having only played, you know, 12 games in his career, a 2015 fourth-round pick, you know, has given the Bruins some decent minutes when they really needed it, and he's someone that can play the right side. And I think having someone that can slide in to essentially replace Brandon Carlo, I think, is huge. You know, I don't think Parker is as much of a shutdown guy as Carlo is, but he's a guy that, as we've seen, can play some effective minutes. Played about twenty minutes um, in the, I think, in the Vegas. I think it was in the Vegas game, he played about 20 minutes, um, and I think played in the St. Louis game and the New Jersey game. Um, So he's someone that's been a beneficiary of 
uh, some of the injuries, you know, Swayman's obviously been in goal for the last five games um, and performed really, really well. Um, you know, obviously selected as an all-star uh, earlier this or this weekend, so really great honor for him. It was really good yesterday against the Devils with the shutout. Um, you know, I think that, sure, there's a lot of comments you know, being or a lot of things being talked about based on his comments um, after being named an all-star, you know, some of the comments that he made about salary arbitration, I think, has some people kind of, you know, I don't know. It's it's difficult because I think when you go through arbitration, it's a really difficult process. And I think that it can be really challenging for some players. Uh, but I think I don't think it's really anything to worry about any of the comments. You know, I think it's just is what it is. I expect him to be here long term. You know, I don't think that it's gotten to a point where it's so contentious that, you know, he's upset and doesn't want to be here. I don't think that that's the case, but I think it's it's natural, I think, to have some of the feelings that he expressed um, the other day. So he's been really good. You know, I think well-deserving of that all-star spot. Um, I was personally kind of surprised. Um, I didn't think that, you know, when they when they mentioned that, oh, you know, that every team will get at least one all-star representative, I figured, okay, Pasternak, most likely to be the Bruins one, and then they announced, oh, it's going to be, you know, fan vote, and I was like, okay, well, it's definitely not going to be Marsh, and uh, just based on the way that he's received uh, around other fan bases, but um, I was pleasantly surprised that Swayman was was given that nod. I think very well deserved, and I think um, has been a big part. You know, he and Olmark, obviously, but I think this season in particular, he's been a big part of their success, um, just based on his performance this year. So, uh, very pleased with that selection, um, and so the Bruins, you know, back home for for a kind of tough homestand here, uh, four games. Remaining on it, Colorado, Montreal, Winnipeg, and Carolina. So all some uh, difficult, challenging teams that, you know, are pretty good. You know, Colorado, Winnipeg, around the top of the Western Conference, and then Carolina, always a tough out in Montreal. You know, I think anytime they come into town, it can be a, can always be a challenge. So uh, really pleased with, I think, the effort the last two nights. Bruins, you know, being able to do enough to get the win in overtime in St. Louis, although I thought David Pasternak got away with a trip um, in the overtime session with the Bruins get the win. Um, you know, overtime shootout losses, it's hard to get super upset with those games. Me personally, I think just because assuming that this team does go to the playoffs, three-on-three overtime and shootouts is not something that they're going to be doing. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah, it's a... You want to win, obviously, um, but I think more it's kind of just like a skills competition, basically. Um, I mean, I think that's what the shootout is, really. Um, and I, so I think people getting upset about Pasternak's shootout attempt in Colorado, it's just like, it's a skills competition. Like, at the end of the day, shootout wins and losses probably won't determine whether you get to the playoffs or not. And so it's like, Look, in the shootout, guys are going to try things. 
guys are going to try to do things. And it's like, Pasternak is so skilled that he can make stuff like that look so easy. And so it's like when he scores, it's like, oh my God, he made it look so easy. Then when he doesn't, it's like, oh, it looks like he's not giving effort. And it's like, like respectfully, I think people getting upset about that are people that don't really understand uh, what they're getting mad about. Um, and I think other people like Mike Felger are just going to get mad to get mad and create hysteria for no other reason than to create hysteria. So it's like, personally, I don't care. You know, it's, it's the shootout. Like, again, not going to probably not going to be the difference between making the playoffs and not, um, you know, as far as overtime, like, obviously I think that's more indicative of, you know, play of the game. I know it's three on three, you don't see three on three, in any other context, but, you know, I think that also is important, just, you know, being smart with the puck and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's tough to lose those games, but at the end of the day, they're kind of skills competition, so it's like, kind of don't matter as much. But um, I think some of those games, it was important that the Bruins did pick up points, because I think some of those games, I think especially the Colorado game, the Bruins really kind of got away with some things that they probably should have lost that game in regulation, but were able to get the extra point. So, you know, looking more closely at this team, I think been impressed with, um, there's someone I was thinking about watching the game yesterday. Um, was Coyle, oh, it was Van Riemsdyk, um, and I've talked about him plenty um, over the first couple months of the season, but um, he's just been outstanding. I think really been everything and more the Bruins could have hoped for, uh, signing him at, you know, the bargain bin price of a million dollars, and he has the, he's his fifth most points on the Bruins, right? 27 points, seven goals, 20 assists, um, has been great on the power play. Um, 11 of his 27 points coming on the man advantage. Always been a really good power play player, but really been pleased with his performance recently. Charlie McAvoy, I think, starting to use his shot a little bit more, starting to get more and more involved offensively is great. Uh, just love this season that Charlie Coyle's had. Uh, third on the team in points, 32 points at a goal last night. Uh, goal yesterday, or goal yesterday, I should say. Um, and I think another guy that I noticed yesterday, uh, Jesper Boquist, I thought he had a really good game uh, playing on that fourth line uh, with Oscar Steen and Lauko. Uh, Boquist, I think, is a guy that I like to see him getting a good amount of opportunities because he's got good speed, he's got good skill, and I think is probably the closest thing the Bruins can get to someone like Matt Patra. Um, I know that... Some people really want to see Merkulov back up again, but um, I think giving Boquist a chance here um, to be in the lineup regularly, I think it's really has really been a good, um, really been a good decision to see what he can do. Um, I thought that it was a combination. I think it was yesterday the combination of Zaka, uh, Debrusque, and Heinen. I thought that they played really well uh, together. Had a number of good chances. I think. That was a game yesterday where it felt like 
every Bruins line had a good moment of playing well in the offensive zone. And so I think, you know, this Bruins team, whenever they can roll four lines like that and get the same level of the level of effectiveness, um, that's when they can be really dangerous. And so I think it's just been great to see this team come together um, right now, you know, a period where they're losing guys, it seems like often, uh, but you have guys step up, Boquist and, you know, Watherspoon have played some games recently. So, you know, it's, it's so funny because, you know, this was supposed to be a year that was going to be a year of transition, was going to be a challenging year. Oh, you know, they may not make the playoffs, but, you know, I think it really speaks to Jim Montgomery as a coach and, you know, this team's ability to be really resilient and be able to withstand losing a lot of key guys. And I think that really um, has impressed me so far this season. And I think it just is funny because I feel like at 26, 8, and 9, you know, they're near the top of the NHL standings. And in my opinion, I think they're kind of playing with house money uh, with how well or with with how talented they were last year and how much talent that they've lost. But it hasn't really affected their ability to win. So been very impressed. I think Bruins on pace for like 114 points, which is pretty amazing. If you would have told me that before the season, um, I would have told you you were crazy. So you know, very pleased with the bounce back after those losses um, on the West Coast. So the Bruins again, busy this week, but they are at home Thursday night against Colorado, Saturday night against Montreal, Monday night against Winnipeg Bruins next three games. So I think we're going to move on and talk a little bit about the Celtics. Celtics had a brief road trip to uh, Toronto last night and the Celtics got the win very good defensively in this game, I thought that the last couple of games, or the last two games, uh, and maybe you can include the Minnesota game as well uh, from last week, really great, you know, energy and defensive intensity at different moments. Um, I thought yesterday the defense did a great job keying that Celtics turnaround in the third quarter um, that kind of gave them control back of the game. Toronto, I think, tried to make it close several times, but I think the Celtics did a really good job staying with it, um, and I think really spreading the scoring around. You know, this was a game where Jason was, I think, constantly hounded um, in terms of facing double teams and things like that, and he didn't shoot particularly well. You know, it was only one for six shooting threes, um, but had 14 rebounds, had six assists, you know, was able to affect the game in other ways. And Porzingis was really good, although surprisingly only took six shots last night, but made 10 of 12 free throws. Uh, Derek White and Drew Holiday, I think really the story um, in this game yesterday. Holiday was really good, really aggressive. Um, and I think it's just great that the Celtics can get performances from Holiday and White when, you know, guys like Tatum or Brown maybe don't play or have an off night. Um, and those two guys are very efficient. Derek was five for 11 shooting threes, Holiday four for six 
seven assists, six rebounds, a couple blocks. Um, I think the Celtics have been very engaged uh, defensively over the last couple of games. It was great to see um, how well they played against uh, the Rockets on Saturday night, I think. Just, I think, maybe playing in front of their old coach uh, to kind of show the old coach kind of what he's missing. And I think Jalen Brown really kind of led that charge with a great game that he had Saturday with 32 points, a couple of block shots, and just played great defense. Um, you know, obviously, it, it was a bad game Thursday night in Milwaukee, but I think considering the Celtics' travel schedule um, and kind of the emotional game that they played the night before, kind of was understandable that they would have a letdown. Now, it's kind of too bad it was against Milwaukee, a team that, you know, obviously the Celtics are going to be battling against the rest of the season, but that game against Minnesota was just great energy from the team, great energy from the crowd. Tatum with 45 points was on fire. Um, and I think it's so interesting is Minnesota, out of nowhere this season, really playing like one of the best teams in basketball and gave the Celtics a great game. Uh, I think that that was a game that the Celtics oh, wish that they could have won in regulation with Tatum getting that final shot, but uh, he really turned it on in the overtime. Celtics took advantage. Uh, and I think no play was more, I think, indicative of this team playing. Or There was, no, there was one play in particular that I think is kind of a microcosm for what this team has done so well this year. You know, Holiday traps Minnesota player in the front court, steals the ball, you know, Marcus Smart style, and then, you know, finds Tatum for the open three and he drills it and the crowd went insane. You know, they went crazy and it's like, holy cow, you could feel the playoff intensity in that building. And um, I think that this team has really tried to make sure that they're playing with the good level of intensity and focus, especially during home games. And I think, you know, they realize how disappointing it was, the team's performance last year in the playoffs. Um, and I think typically, over the last couple of years, they've had problems, you know, winning games at home in the playoffs. And so I think you watch games like that and you hope that there can be some carryover um, into the postseason. So uh, very pleased with the effort that night, very pleased with the Houston game, very pleased with the Toronto game. I think the next week or so will be very interesting because the Celtics are out on the road against a couple of very good teams. They'll be at home against some very good teams coming up. Um, but I think it would be very interesting how they respond. Um, so next three... San Antonio at home tomorrow night. Boston's chance to get to see Victor Wembanyama uh, play play in Boston, and then you got the net, the Nuggets and Jokic coming to town on Friday night. Possible Finals preview maybe, um, and then Sunday night Celtics will travel to Houston to play the Rockets again, and then Celtics will have another road game in Dallas and Miami later next week, and then they'll come home to play the Clippers. So couple of good games on that schedule, um, you know, getting closer to the trade deadline. But, you know, as I said last week, I think for this team, I don't know if I'd be upset if 
they, you know, chose not to make a move. You know, I don't really think that this is a team that you look at this roster and say, oh my God, they desperately need this. Um, you know, sure, would it be good to add another piece? Probably, but I think you look at some of the play of some of the guys off the bench recently, I think Brissett starting to get more playing time. And I think, you know, he could be someone that, you know, his type of skill set is kind of what I think people have talked about the Celtics maybe needing. Um, but I think he's played, provided some great energy uh, recently. Uh, kind of curious about, you know, what they think with their bigs. You know, Cornette, I think, has really impressed me this season. I think that he's capable of playing 10 to 15 minutes every night and just being a solid contributor. Uh, I think he's greatly improved as a basketball player. Um, you know, Keita, I think, has been fine when he's played. Uh, but I think maybe one area that you may look at is the big position because, you know, Horford obviously is is on the older side. And, you know, the Celtics, I think, already do a good job of resting him on back-to-backs. Um, but I think, you know, considering his his age and Porzingis's injury history, although KP has been pretty healthy for the majority of the season, you know, it may not be a bad idea to get an extra big, but I think, you know, the Celtics don't really have a lot of wiggle room in terms of the types of players that they can, that they can acquire, you know, I think have the trade exception, um, which I want to say is like up to 6 million. So, you know, Celtics can't acquire a player with the salary being higher than that. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see. Do they look at someone like Kelly Olynyk? Do they look at, you know, someone like Sadiq Bey in Atlanta? You know, I think those are two names uh, to maybe take a look at. But um, I think that this team and the level of talent they have, you know, it may not be totally necessary for them to make a move at the trade deadline. You know, this isn't a team that you look at and say, okay, there's an obvious hole that they need to address at the trade deadline. And if they don't, it's not, you know, it, it's not good. You know, I think going into the playoffs, having that top six be healthy really is the biggest key for this for this team. And I think, you know, Hauser, I think for the most part, has been consistent. Pritchard's been more consistent recently. And I think giving more minutes to someone like Brissett, you know, really can help you out. So very curious about what happens the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed that this team continues to stay healthy. Um, I know Jalen missed last night's game, but, you know, I think health is really kind of the biggest thing for this team. Uh, and so it'll be interesting as the games start to pick up, and I think, you know, it's they start to be pretty important. They start to be, okay, a lot of games, you know, three and four nights and things like that, so... Back-to-back uh, -back coming uh, late next week, so the Sunday-Monday in Houston and Dallas. The Celtics may rest some guys for those games, but very interesting to see the Denver game Friday, see how the Celtics match up against the defending champs. So I think that's going to do it for the Boston teams. Uh, don't have any updates uh, on the Revolution or the Red Sox, really. Uh, Red Sox, I think, only... Had rumors about being interested in 
Jorge Soler, the outfielder, slash DH from the Marlins. Good power for him, but, you know, be interested to see where he would slot in um, if the Red Sox choose to sign him. Uh, but no other news, really. So we will get right into talking about the uh, wild card weekend from the NFL. Um, I'll take a look at some notes for notes first before we look at the scores. Caleb Williams, the uh, projected number one pick, uh, has officially entered the draft. And the, the Falcons, uh, the first team to interview Bill Belichick for their coaching vacancy, it may have happened, um, I think, earlier last week. Um, or maybe it was this weekend, I actually can't tell when it was, but they made that announcement. So it'll be interesting to see if Belichick interviews anywhere else. You know, I think that, me personally, I think, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys uh, gave him an interview after their uh, postseason debacle yet again this weekend. Um, and after the Eagles' playoff loss last night, uh, Jason Kelsey has told Eagles teammates that he will retire. So happy trails to Jason, if that is the truth. Uh, had a, has had a great career. Uh, one of the nicest guys in the league. So uh, happy for him whatever he chooses to do, if that isn't true. So we will take a look at some scores from this weekend. Pretty surprising. Uh, first game is the Texans routing the Browns 45-14. to 14. Joe Flacco, two pick sixes in this game. Uh, CJ Stroud was unbelievable. A couple of great throws. So Houston with the win and with the games turning out the way that they did are they will play the Ravens next Saturday afternoon. Take a look at the schedule in a moment after we go through uh, some of the scores. The Chiefs beating the Dolphins in a record low temperature game in Kansas City. It was close to negative 20 below, but the Chiefs get the win. 26-7, really never in doubt in this game. Mahomes, 262 yards and a touchdown pass to Rishi Rice. Isaiah Pacheco also with a rushing touchdown. Chiefs get the win 26-7. And then Sunday, probably the most shocking result of the weekend. Uh, Packers dominating the Cowboys. Um, the game was... The score was not indicative of how how much of a blowout this game was. 48-32, uh, to the final score. Packers were up 27 to nothing. Um, at one point in this game. So, totally destroying the Cowboys. Uh, Jordan Love with three touchdown passes. Aaron Jones with three rushing touchdowns. And the Packers uh, with a huge win. Probably one of the biggest upsets in recent NFL playoff history with the Cowboys coming in undefeated at home. Um, and I think pretty much just dominating anyone that came into that building. But no one told Jordan Love that. He was unbelievable. And Packers get the win, then Sunday night, the Lions outlasting the Rams 24-23. Lions win their first playoff game since 1991. Matt Stafford with two touchdowns in his return to Detroit. But the Lions hang on to win 24-23 again in the final. And then yesterday, Bills beating the Steelers 31-17. Josh Allen with three total touchdowns in this game, and then 
the Buccaneers winning last night, 32-9 over the Eagles. Not much of a game there, uh, surprisingly. So taking a look at the games next weekend, I think that they'll be pretty good. Hopefully they'll be more, you know, competitive than the games this past weekend. So you have Houston, the Texans, uh, traveling to Baltimore, 4.30 start on Saturday. And then at, on Saturday night, you have the Packers traveling to San Francisco, an 8.15 start there. And then Sunday at 3 o'clock, you have Tampa Bay traveling to Detroit. Lions get another home game. And then Kansas City and Buffalo uh, closes out the season, closes out the divisional round in Western New York. So those are the games this weekend. Winners will advance to the conference championships. So it'll be interesting to see those games. I do think Houston will make it interesting in Baltimore. Um, and I also think the same thing for Green Bay. I think both of those teams playing and playing really well. It'll be interesting to see how they come into games against well-rested Ravens and 49ers. So excited for both of those matchups. Then the Sunday games I think should be interesting. I think Detroit looking at a really good chance to advance to the conference championship. Uh, Kansas City Buffalo, I think Buffalo has a pretty good advantage being at home this time against the Chiefs. So we we will see. Take a look at some NBA notes quickly as Draymond Green recently returned to the Warriors lineup after his 12-game suspension. Um, and we'll take a look at some games tonight. 7.30 start in Philadelphia. The Nuggets will play the Sixers. And then at 9 o'clock, you have the Kings and the Suns. And at 10 o'clock on TNT, the Thunder and the Clippers. So we'll take a quick look at the standings. Celtics first place in the East. Pretty much at their midway point of the season. 31-9, 40 games played. 19-0 at home still, which is outstanding. Be curious to see how many home wins they can rack up. Uh, but the Celtics have a three-game lead over the Bucks for first place in the Eastern Conference. And then they are followed by the 76ers, the Cavaliers, the Heat, and the Pacers. And then the teams in the play-in positions, the Knicks, the Magic, the Bulls, and the Nets, with the Hawks even with the Nets for that final play-in spot. In the Western Conference, Minnesota still leading the West. One a one-game lead over the Thunder and the Nuggets in second and third, respectively. And then the Clippers in fourth, Kings in fifth, Mavericks in sixth, and then in the play-in spots. The Pelicans, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Lakers with the Rockets, even with the Lakers in terms of the 10th spot in the West. So we're going to take a look quickly at some NHL notes. Marc-Andre Fleury now second all-time in goaltender wins, uh, trailing just Martin Brodeur. Uh, Connor Bedard is back on the ice amid his recovery from a broken jaw. Jim Montgomery among the coaches selected in uh, coaches selected to coach the All-Star game. It'll be a three-on-three -three tournament. So exciting news, obviously, as we mentioned, Jeremy Swayman and David Pasternak, they will both be there 
Um, and so we'll take a look at some schedule or some games on the schedule. We had eight games tonight. Seattle travels to New York, a seven o'clock start to play the Rangers. Los Angeles and Dallas in Texas at eight o'clock. That's an ESPN Plus game. Um, and then Toronto and Edmonton at nine o'clock. Just some some games on the schedule tonight. We'll take a look at the wild card standings. Or we'll take a look at the standings in the East. Uh, Bruins atop the Eastern Conference and atop the Atlantic with 61 points. Panthers are second with 57 points. And then Toronto is third with 50. In the Metropolitan, you have the Rangers with 56, followed by the Flyers with 54, and the Hurricanes with 53. So really exciting renaissance season for the Flyers as they are now two points out of the Metro lead in the wildcard positions. Detroit and Tampa Bay with Pittsburgh and the Islanders just a point back. In the Western Conference, Winnipeg or yeah, Winnipeg leads the Central with 60 points, then Colorado with 59, Dallas with 55. And then in the Pacific, Vancouver uh, leads the entire league with 62 points, followed by Vegas with 55 and the Kings with 50. And then in the wildcard spots, you have Nashville and Edmonton with Seattle even in points with the Oilers. So <clears throat> quite a renaissance for the Kraken in recent weeks as they have now drawn even with the Oilers. And they actually have four games in, or excuse me, no other way around. Oilers have four games in hand, but pretty impressive run recently for the Kraken to get back into playoff position. So I'll take a quick look, some MLB notes here. Logan Hicks signing a deal with the Giants. Uh, Dusty Baker is returning to the San Francisco Giants front office. And Raul Abanez has been hired for a role in the Dodgers front office. So I think that's probably going to... That's probably going to do it for me this week. Do want to extend some good luck wishes to the uh, women's hockey teams of Harvard, Northeastern, Boston University, and Boston College. The women's bean pot kicks off tonight. Semifinals, I believe, are on Harvard's campus this year. Um, and then for the first time ever, the women will play their championship in the third place game at the Garden next Tuesday on the 23rd. So uh, very exciting for the women's game and then the men's tournament, obviously, um, in a couple of weeks. So I think it's probably going to do it for me this week. We'll be back later this week, give you more you know, thoughts on the uh, end of an era with Bill Belichick uh, leaving the Patriots. But, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting, you know, but definitely some great appreciation for... Uh, the greatest coach in the history of football. So be back with you guys later this week with that. So we'll uh, talk to you then.